0: Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman. Happy to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here today. Uh, I, I did figure I would start, and I promise this is going to be very brief, but just... Th- I mean, everyone out there is probably feeling the same way. Very, very heavy heart today, really all week. Not going to get into it here. I have other places for an outlet to talk about real world issues. And I understand that a lot of people use podcasts like this as an escape to think about and, and talk about you know, other things. So all I wanted to say at the beginning of this is that you know, I can be a resource if there's anyone out there who wants to talk. My DMs are open. Uh, my Discord channel is available to people. Anyone who wants to talk about, you know, stuff going on out there in the world. And, you know, just know that I'm going to do my best to focus on Colorado Rockies baseball today. Talk a little bit about that Pittsburgh series and set up what's going on in Washington. But if I'm, you know, a little distracted, I it's just... I guess the only way in which it translates to what's going on here, right, is I, I have difficulty getting, you know, worked up or getting super passionate about a May series between the Rockies and the Pirates right now. You know, whereas if nothing was going on in the world, maybe I come on here with a little more firepower and um, God, what even, you know, words like that, like immediately saying a word like that and then realizing it has these other meanings, right? Like we don't live in a vacuum. Sports don't exist in a vacuum, but I'm going to do my best to focus on baseball starting right now. Uh, But yeah, it's just, you know, the certain levels of how much do we, do we get upset about a terrible series in Pittsburgh right this moment? Eh, Limited amount. That said frustrating ass baseball from your Colorado Rockies over the, uh, last couple of days or or weeks, really. This is the fourth consecutive series that the Rockies really should have won, but also could have swept, right? This is really frustrating to watch because that, first, and that goes back to the, the last homestand in the first series against Kansas City, right? And the two before that, San Francisco and Arizona on the road, they got thoroughly outplayed. Uh, they, They could not have swept those series and they would have needed a number of, number of things to change in order for them to have won those series. But against Kansas City, they were in every single game, blew one right at the end and had their opportunities again to win all three of those games. Same thing, San Francisco at home had opportunities to win all three of those games, but dropped two of them against the Mets, had opportunities to win all three of the... That, that's the one that's maybe the difference. The first game of the doubleheader that they lost 5-1 to one, got thoroughly outplayed. That's really the one game on the homestand, despite the fact that they went 3-6, and six, that they coulda, shoulda, woulda won, right? Or, or, or shouldn't, uh, uh, the opposite of that. <clears throat> Every other game, they either won or they could have and should have won, but bad mistakes, badly timed pitching, whatever cost them, right? That one game, they got outplayed. And now they're doing it again on the road trip. All three of these games in Pittsburgh could have been W's. You start with the opener on Monday. You get a not dominant, but really good battling performance out of Chad Cool. And again, you could look at the baseline statistics and say, man, guy had a crap game. 4.1 innings pitched. That's not good. You can't get through five at least against Pittsburgh, right? five hits and four walks and only one strikeout. Those are not good numbers, but he only gave up the one earned run. And if you watched the game, you saw, uh, you know, as we've talked about throughout the year, him dealing with some issues behind him, a uh, little bit of bad luck, not his best stuff. He was erratic. The four walks show you that, but he was able to limit the damage, Right did a really good job battling where, and, and we've talked about this on the other nights when our man Marquez hasn't had his best stuff and has done a terrible job battling, right? Where if he goes 4.1 innings with five hits and four walks right now, it's also going to be four or five runs. He's not finding a way to wriggle out of those difficult situations, which is what Chad Cool was able to do on Monday night. And then they hand the ball off to Ty Block, who's actually Fantastic. One hit, no walks, over 2.2 innings, and a couple of strikeouts. One of his better performances of the year. And then Tyler Kinley, who had only given up one run on the season, comes in and gives up one of the most difficult, bad luck, two weekly hit baseballs that ended up bringing in a run. And, you know, that's that, that's brutal. On And the runner even could have, should have, would have been caught using that phrase a lot. Out at second base. If the ball hadn't popped out of Elias uh Diaz's hands, it's not Elias Diaz's hands on, on the way down to the second base throw. Like on the exchange he the ball popped out. He muffed it, couldn't throw the guy out at second base. Otherwise you know the run the the throw would have beat him. No run. Tough luck one there for Kinley. And of course, the Rockies only scored one run in the game. And so they lose 2-1. Any number of times they could have gotten a base hit with runners in scoring position, they went 0 for 6 and left 9 on base. Seven hits, one run. So that's timing, not taking advantage of the fact that you got good pitching. But a 2-1 loss, obviously a game they could have won. Right? Right? Next night, almost a mirror image. Almost the exact same game, it just happened to go the Rockies' way. Freeland, again, not dominant, not great, but battled. 4.1 innings again, so again, can't go five. Six strikeouts, which really helped him get through, uh, You know, the, but only two hits and two walks. Gave up one earned run. The pitch count really got away from him, though, so the Rockies had to go to the bullpen which has struggled for most of the the last couple of weeks, especially. Now, they had that hot start, but since then, the bullpen's been pretty bad. But they line them up. Chassin, fantastic. Gilbreth, and he's been really good lately, and we'll get back to that. Does his inning. Colomay pitches a clean inning. Well, he did give up a hit, but he's pitched, I think, like five, six consecutive now without giving up a run. And then Bard gets it done because... You know, the Rockies hadn't scored. It was 1-1 going into extras, right? The Rockies need the California rule in order to get the game-winning run. That said, you know, both teams get that runner at second base. Uh, The Rockies did a nice job uh, to make sure to bring him in there and get the game-winning hit. But Daniel Bard was actually really fantastic going back out there and striking out the side in his second inning of work to make sure that the Rockies got that W. It's a quality win, and it puts you in a position to win a series on the road, which I don't care who you're playing when you're the Colorado Rockies, that's huge. Winning any series on the road is big. And in fact, winning any series at all right now for the Rockies who've dropped a bunch of them in a row would be big, right? So they need the momentum shift in general. They need to win a series. They, they need to prove to themselves they can be better on the road, all these things. And then they go out and stake themselves to a 4-0 lead behind rookie pitcher Ryan Feltner. Feltner gave up. A couple of runs right after that, but that's it. So you've got a 4-2 lead after five with a rookie having gone in a spot start. And once again, your starting pitcher was pretty damn good. This time he does go the five. Three hits, two walks, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. Perfectly acceptable. More than acceptable. More promising stuff from Ryan Feltner. But this time, the offense had actually gotten some runs out there. You got a, a nice little rally in the second that played at three with a number of base hits with runners in scoring position. It was weird. <laughs> All right, it broke a string of several games in a row where the Rockies hadn't scored an earned a run, <laughs> right? And then Krohn moves back into a tie in the National League with his 12th home run of the season. But and one out in the third, so you've got a 4-0 lead. And then even the 4-2 lead, the Rockies get another one back in the fifth. A 5-2 lead going into the sixth. Gilbreath on the hill, and he's pitching well. Hasn't allowed a hit, did walk a guy. He's at 17 pitches, and he's got two outs in the sixth. And then Bud Black went to Carlos Estevez, and I don't, really know why um now of course this is easy to say in hindsight but again those of you who are in the discord will note that the second it was happening we were talking about it. like i don't understand unless gilbert was you know more tired than he looked at 17 pitches and he had pitched the day before so maybe the pitch count was a was a thing there and there was a switch hitter coming up uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, who is who's, who's uh, is Castro, Rodolfo Castro, who was better from the right side than from the left side. But you also had a couple of lefties coming up after him. And again, Gilbert's just going well, where Estevez has been struggling lately and it was just introducing a new dynamic into the game, right? Where it seemed like the guy who was already there mostly had things under control, even though there was you know, a base runner aboard with the walk. So Estevez comes in, actually executes a pretty good pitch against Castro, who just manages to loop it into right field for a base hit, but it brings a tying run to the plate. And again, Estevez threw several very good pitches, uh, including a couple of 3-2 pitches that were fouled off, and, and he totally had the hitter fooled. But, <laughs> he just finally left a fastball right at the belt high inside for a left-hander to turn on it in that ballpark, which is basically the only place for a lefty to hit one out. And that's exactly what happened. The whole ball game, the whole series swung on this one pitch. Three-run jack, tie ball game. And that's, you know, and then of course Justin Lawrence has a bad inning. The next inning, they hit another three-run home run. They, They end up running away with it in a 10-5 win but the, the the game really comes down to that one pitch right there and that one decision which you know yeah I'm not I'm not out on the road um you know I I didn't have a chance to ask about it but yeah it's a bit <laughs> it's very head scratching actually like I, I I didn't get going to Carlos, there at the time. I'm not one of the. I know a lot of people are really down on Estevez right now, and just you know want to see him only in mop up duty or send him to AAA and all that. And look, I've I've been covering this guy for a while. Uh, I think that you know he has his ups and downs. I think you've got to stick with him in certain situations, and he's going to be a valuable part of the big league bullpen. But he's just not going well right now. So I generally agree with the idea that he can't be in there in you know, the the plus side right now. Uh, But it's also tough because who is? You know, Justin Lawrence had his chance to go out and prove that he belongs in that spot, that he deserves to be that guy, but then he he had a terrible inning as well. So right now you've got Daniel Bard, Tyler Kinley, maybe Robert Stevenson, but he had a, a shaky start to the season as well. And everything after that is a question mark. But this was the kind of bullpen implosion I'd been talking about and warning about and and, and worrying about, you know, when the bullpen was given up a run here or there. This blown save, this is a blown game, not just a blown save, right? We've talked about the difference between those things. Daniel Bard gives up a solo home run that blows the save, but then the Rockies come back in extras and win the game. And ultimately, he just gave up the one run. You have to be able to live with stuff like that. But a three-run jack with two strikes and two outs when you're up three in the late innings is just devastating. And then to let the game totally slip away from you after that, you know, brutal. Absolutely brutal. And again, like I said, you're looking at now the fourth series in a row where they really should have won it and could have swept it. But instead, they take the Series L. The one good bit of news there is that they are picking up their individual wins in each of these. So while they're falling back, they haven't totally spiraled out. Like, you look at the record all of a sudden, like, oh, they're three games under 500. You know, they're still a good week from being an over 500 team, and... Again, that's what I've expected out of them for most of the year is to finish at just above 500. So them being just below, you know, now they've played terribly lately. Like I said, they've, they haven't won a series in quite some time. I think six in a row now. Um, but they they are sh- they keep showing this ability to win these games to have the the momentary offensive outburst where you get five runs on the road. And man, it is frustrating when they lose after scoring five on the road. Again, I don't care where it is. The Rockies get five on the road. Those are games they need to win, especially when you get five on the road. And I guess it wasn't a quality start because you got to go six to get a quality start, but a a quality start lowercase Q out of their pitcher. When you get those two things, you've got to win the game. And this is where the bullpen becomes the potential downfall of this team. And I've said it all along from the beginning of the season. What's the biggest key? And I, I gave him a D minus grade. And I was very worried that things like this were going to happen throughout the year. That otherwise, winnable games were going to get kicked away because the bullpen just doesn't have the talent and the depth to hang on to it. It happened a lot last year. It's happened several times already. Again, this year... And I don't know what the answer is beyond bringing in more relievers and and switching guys out and hoping someone in the minors gets hot or hoping some of these guys turn it around. There's not really much else you can do about your bullpen. Again, other than maybe arguably manage it a little bit better, but I don't know that any one of us has the answer either. You know, like I said, on the one hand, I, I totally question Going to Estevez in that situation. On the other hand, I 100% get and probably would have done the same thing, putting Justin Lawrence into the tie game in the seventh. Still a winnable ball game at that point. And again, he was one out away from not giving up anything, and he gives up four runs. Just you know, but but the, sometimes the margins are very small. Sometimes they're huge, but right now, you know, the Rockies are just not a team that can absorb these kinds of performances from the bullpen. Simple as that. And now they're off for a four-game set in Washington, which, again, they have the talent. They're a better baseball team than the Washington Nationals, right? But... They're a better baseball team than the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. They're a better baseball team than the Kansas City Royals. They should have won those series. And in fact, even based on the way that much of the roster played, they should have won the series. But that's the beauty and shame of baseball is that it really only takes one moment, one guy making one big mistake, whether it's the pitch in the worst spot at the worst time or as we've seen several times throughout this season, the key defensive mistake where you should have had the double play and been out of the inning, but instead you give up three or four runs. Those are huge swings in a game, but they don't always have to be huge swings in a season. May swoon doesn't rhyme. (laughs) Uh, so hopefully it's something they can kick a little bit before they get to June because every season is different and you never know every series is different. So let's look ahead. They go to four in Washington. Armand Marquez will take the ball this evening against Patrick Corbin, who is 0-7 this year in a 660 ERA, which has me a little bit concerned because that means either the Rockies should beat him because he's having a bad year and he's just not the pitcher he used to be, or he's due for a really good game, and the Rockies are about to run into a motivated, frustrated, and and fixed Patrick Corbin. But we'll see what happens there. And, of course, we're going to keep our eyes on the ongoing saga of Armand Marquez. I just, I just don't know, folks. I'm going to keep watching it as closely as I can. Everything from his delivery to his release point, the movement on his pitches, uh, the the velocity, all of these things. But just in every single one of those categories, Marquez needs to be tighter. In game two, we've got Austin Gomber against Aaron Sanchez, who also has an ERA over seven. So, so, again, if you're just looking at like the basic ERAs of the starting pitchers, the Rockies should have the advantage in every one of these games. Marquez uh, has been only slightly better than Corbin with his 6.14 ERA to Corbin's 6.60. Austin Gomber brings a 4.11 ERA into his start against Aaron Sanchez, who's three and three with a 7.16 ERA uh, and only 13 strikeouts on the year to Austin Gomber 34 we've got Chad Cool with his 3.67 ERA going into game 3 against uh Johan Adon who's at a 6.97 ERAs. three straight guys very close to the 7 ERA mark that the Rockies offense who's been the best part of the team this year despite, you know, some random clunkers on the road which you're always 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 going to have with the Rockies and the road hangover effect and all of that for the most part, the offense has been very good. And then Josiah Gray, who's the youngster, who's got a lot of potential and has some pretty great strikeout stuff and already has 51 on the season. Still, he's taken a 544 ERA into his outing against Kyle Freeland, who's got a 460 ERA and we've seen has been quite a bit better over his last few outings. So not even just looking at the, the ERA, there's a lot of other things that you could look at. The, the Rockies have the starting pitching advantage in all four of these games against the 15 and 30 Washington Nationals, right? They should be able to win some of these. But as we've seen, so far, very frustratingly, and, and certainly over the last couple of weeks, very frustratingly, too few of these games have come down to the Rockies starting pitching plus offense. And that is the formula they're built around starting pitching and offense. Now at times the starting pitching hasn't held up its end of the bargain like I was just saying the offense for the most part has but it's been the X factors. It's been the defense and the bullpen. That's costing them games. The Rockies should in all earnestness be four or five games over 500 right now. And and I'm saying if if you took out one or two key errors and maybe one or two key bad pitches. And actually, you don't even necessarily have to do that. You can leave every pitch alone. Just take away some of those errors in Philly and against Kansas City and San Francisco, and this team is a couple games over five hundred. if you maybe wipe out five key errors on the season, right? But that doesn't mean that they're not going to keep happening going forward. So it's hard to say. In a normal year... I would predict the Rockies to win two games in this set. Because despite the fact that they have the starting pitching advantage in each one, we know things happen. Everything I just talked about, bullpen, defense are gonna be a factor, base running sometimes can be a factor. Just the fact that the Rockies are on the road is going to be a factor. One of these games, there will be a total clunker from the offense. And not necessarily because the starting pitcher is fantastic or or any of that stuff. Again. There's some magic to it. There's some science to it. It's a much longer conversation, but the road hangover effect is just very real. The question is just how do you overcome it? And right now the Rockies have just done a terrible job of overcoming it, but you saw in Pittsburgh, it's like the formula was right there, and the way of doing it was so completely in front of their faces. Game one came down to who could get the one hit with the runner in scoring position. And it was a nonsense, jam-ass, BS nonsense hit against Tyler Kinley. But the Pirates got it. They won the game. You live with that. Second night went the other way. Third night should have been able to make that game yours and couldn't. But that's the formula. You just can't do all that other nonsense. So, based on pitching, starting pitching and offense, the Rockies should be able to win. They should be able to win all the games. In a world where I wasn't so worried about the bullpen and defense, I'd predict three here in Washington. As it is, I do think they can get two Ws. But, man, man, oh, man, if the way they've been playing lately doesn't make you think they'd be lucky to get one, (coughs) even though they have been taking one in every set, like I said. So... I don't know what to tell you folks. That's why we got to watch the baseball games and see what happens out there. But, uh, you know, obviously frustrating news that Chris Bryant had to go back on the 10-day I.L. You, you know, it's it's hard to totally miss him so far because he hasn't really been there, you know, making a huge impact to this point. But it is interesting to think about the fact that his offense has been pretty capable and has been hanging in there in these games on the road and, and doing certain things that they've really struggled at in the last four or five years without Chris Bryant. And that you're going to get to add him to the mix at some point but it sure is frustrating to see these you know more or less back to back and absolutely no pun intended uh, stints on the IL very frustrating but another reminder that it is a long long season and there's still an opportunity for Bryant to get in quite a few games uh, for your Rockies the one of the big hopes is again that they can just keep their heads above water uh, in anticipation of that right? So, we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, we'll continue to, like I said, see what the Rockies do uh, with, the, you know, all the road stuff, but then also in the starting pitching rotation when it comes to Ryan Feltner. Is Antonio Sensatella going to be healthy and coming back? But, oddly enough, that starting pitching depth, which was another thing I've been very concerned about, hasn't been the issue yet. Like, Feltner has done more than fine in his two spot starts. So, at least there's that, I guess. And, um, one last note back on some real life stuff, but this one is at least, I guess, tangentially related to baseball, but did want to say a, a rest in peace. And thanks to the me- for the memories, uh, to Ray Liotta. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you saw the actor who, uh, for me, at least I will always know as shoeless Joe Jackson in field of dreams. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies of all time. And, uh, I can always hear his voice, and uh, it's one of those ones that I watched a million times as a kid, and you know, we, as a family would quote it, you know, to this day, and a lot of great quotes from from that movie, and um, one that has stuck with me more as an adult, uh, you know, that I don't, I don't think I ever really noted as a kid, but I definitely, you know, saw it when uh, I guess spoilers for Field of Dreams, but near the, uh, near the end of the movie when. Moonlight Graham has, has finally gotten his one chance to go back and, and play a little bit but then he has to you know transform back into being the doctor and disappear out into the cornfield and it's so simple and, and I tweeted it out there as my line um, to Ray Liotta but when Shoeless Joe Jackson you know one of the greatest ball players of all time stops him and he's back to being the the old man form, and he calls him Rookie he says hey Rookie You were good. And I think about that a lot. You know, there's so much negativity and anger and frustration in sports. And I get it. And I get that these guys get paid a lot of money. And most of them have pretty thick skin and and can deal with it. But we've all seen the anger that way crosses the line, right? And, And I sometimes wonder if people really knew the struggles and the sacrifices and the difficulties and really the incredible ability of the absolute worst players in professional sports in major league baseball. You know what I mean? In in this story, you're talking about a guy who got one plate appearance, right? And, and, and actually he never got a plate appearance in, in the real life telling. He just got one inning in the outfield, Never got to to step to the plate. In the field of dreams, he gets one plate appearance and he gets a sack fly. It would be too Hollywood if he'd hit a grand slam or even a home run or even a double into the gap. A sack fly. To make contact against a big leaguer. To drive the ball into the outfield. To help your team score a run even if it doesn't add to your batting average. That to me is what baseball... Is about and the recognition that you know maybe the world didn't need another two sixty-five hitter. What the world needed was a great doctor. And I've always carried that lesson with me, and I and I find it more and more profound each and every day. But I love that the ball player gives back to him just so you know you were good. Good hang. So difficult to even get that one moment. Some of these guys who only ever get a cup of coffee. Guys, remember Tim Melville? Starting pitcher Tim Melville for the Colorado Rockies made a couple appearances. Had been like working at a barbecue restaurant. Flirted with a no-hitter in Cincinnati. Six, seven, eight, 12 months later, He's not in baseball anymore. He'd been a career minor leaguer. You know, he made his MLB debut at 30, 31, got maybe 7 starts, one of which was incredible and in the talk of the town for a little while. And and that's it. That's the career. You know, we we idolize the players who win MVPs and gold gloves and silver sluggers, but to me there's something sort of phenomenal much more phenomenal about that. The guy who just, just barely makes it, and will be forever able to tell his kids or cousins or friends or whatever. Yeah, played a little bit in the big leagues. Maybe he struck out Joey Votto. I don't know. You know, I'd have to go back. And, but you know what I mean? Like, ah, it's a beautiful thing. And this is why I tend not to engage in conversations. Oh, that player's trash. Oh, that guy's garbage. Oh, you got to cut him. Oh, you got to trade him. You know, and I get that's part of it. I do get that there's a business element of all of this. And we do have to analyze some of these things from a more detached perspective. But isn't there enough of that in the world? Don't we have enough detachment? Wouldn't it be okay to sometimes just go, man, that there is a person. And we should be... Impressed by the fact that he can hit a buck ninety in Major League Baseball, because that puts him in the top one percent of everyone who's ever played the game. <laughs> anyway, that's my rant for the day. Thank you for the memories, Ray Liotta, uh, the greatest sports movie of all time, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, Field of Dreams, and uh, thank you all for listening into a little bit of a strange episode of the podcast, but still. Uh, find out what happens now i'll be like any other night i'll be watching baseball tonight i'll be out there with you like i said at the beginning uh reach out if you feel like it you know my dms are open my discord channel is open for those who need or just want a place to to feel safe and yeah so thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all of the other podcasts here on the network. You're checking out the written content at milehighsports.com. Follow me on Drew Creesman. Follow, follow me on Twitter at Drew Creasman. And yeah, just keep being absolutely awesome out there. Uh, try to be good to each other and take care of each other. I'll do my best to do the same in here and continue being absolutely Drew Creesman. And until next time, I will see you.